Jack. Sir. Ready to roll? I am ready to roll. You know what we haven't done in a long time? What's that? Breach of the week. Breach of the week. That's excellent. All right. Long overdue. But frankly, like, honestly, like, hearing more of, like, the meow-tastic ransomware attacks, while they're n- bad and I wouldn't wish them on anybody, I'm like, something new and different, please. It's hard, it's hard to describe what to do to prevent ransomware in a different way than we've done it for the 117,000 breaches that have already occurred. Mm-hmm. So keep doing those things and listen to yeah. episodes one through 178 and you'll have plenty <laughs> of advice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so we got a new one. Yep. Uh, which I think is clever, fiendishly clever. Um, and by the way, I think there's other ways that they could use this thing yep. beyond what they're doing right now. Um, so the play, drum roll please, um, North Korean cyber spies targeting GitHub developers. Um, so there's been a series of reported breachers, yep. breaches, um, that uh, have spawned from GitHub communication. Yep. So play is, um, this comes from North Korean state-sponsored group, uh, friendly, also known as the Lazarus Group, yep. um, well-known name, creating seemingly authentic accounts in recruiting developers. Right, and suggesting those developers download their stuff because evidently the Node package manager stuff is becoming vector of choice for some of these folks to infect lots of other people and just poison the supply chain. Poison the software supply chain. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, seemingly pretty simple but also kind of unique because I have – well. Now that I hear, I'm like, yeah, of course you would do that. 100%. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Uh, the way I think about it, if I think about Git as an environment, right, you've got a lot of really smart people. There's like, I think, 1.4 trillion projects going on inside of Git. Yeah. Right? And people like to help one another. They share stuff. It's a solid ecosystem. And it's the basis for a lot of work that happens both in real commercial companies as well as just rando projects, right? So it's a real piece of infrastructure for real companies. Yeah. And it's not uncommon for people to volunteer to help one another or look to help one another or look to gain experience by working on a project that's with some smart people. So if you think about it, if I think about it like LinkedIn, but for people who do work, right? So LinkedIn, if some rando said, hey, everybody, I'm Jack. Um, Come, download my thing. You'd be sort of like, yeah, no, that kind of looks like what malware people would do. Yeah, yeah. Right? And we'd work, and and I'm sure LinkedIn would do a good job of finding what have you. But you go to Git. And Git is like hardworking people. They're doing stuff and sharing code or ideas or approaches or yeah. packages is a very common thing. So I think you're right. I think it's a fiendishly clever approach. Yeah. Um, so the uh, details on the attack. So we've seen um, some cases of this occurring. Um, for the most part, um, if it exists solely on GitHub, um, the the goal is effectively to get the developer who might be interested in content to download something that's nefarious in nature. Right on. Could be a package, could be something else that needs to be compiled. But there's also reports of saying using Git as uh, a mode for primary communication and then moving it off platform to do other types of... Social engineering goodness, yep. yeah. Um, and this is, this is a piece that's kind of interesting to me, and I've heard versions of this before, is... Um, they're posing as recruiters yes. as well and saying, hey, we want to send you this package. Like, we're going to, can you give me your email address? Shoot it over. Thanks for shopping. Right on. Yeah. And, and I mean, if you're a developer 
and someone actually has taken the time to be on Git and is knowledgeable enough in the platform to be able to share things with you and to have looked at your projects and say complimentary things and say, by the way, you look good enough, I looked at your stuff, and I think you'd be a perfect fit at name your big name company, you know, who I'm working for as a recruiter. I'd like to send you some stuff to see what you think about this code. It's part of our early process. Who doesn't open that? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, so anyway, there's, um, there's an increasing number of people getting whacked mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. this right now. Um, but it's interesting. I see so many other applications. Yep. For that. <laughs> sure. Totally be like sharing all of it. But um, I also, uh, we did an episode on ransomware groups. And I don't, I don't know if this is one of the um, like news articles that we were asked to comment on or some of the stuff that we're doing through the public relations activities um, or like the, the media coverage that we're doing. But um, we had also talked about uh, ransomware groups yep. recruiting seemingly like good people with good intentions to do bad things, write code that helps like perpetuate this like ransomware campaign. Um, and it's like they're using, they were kind of using Git and other platforms as um, it's kind of an abstraction layer for like who they're actually working for. And if you're a developer and you're used to working remote, you have a recruiter reach out to you. So I'm sure it happens all the time if you work in that space. Um, that all seems normal, right? Right and on. Like, my my office is my desk. My work computer is the one that's right in front of me. The only thing that's going to change is where my paycheck comes from, right? Yeah. Or maybe, and that might inform the work I do on a day-to-day basis. So, like, why shouldn't that be different? So, if you're, like, a ransomware group, like, like put whatever name in there you want. Um, that's also a pretty convenient, like, convenient way to get developers in there, like, doing seemingly bad things. So, it's, like... It's kind of like a two two step bad badness. Yeah, um, and there's an article in Dark Reading, you know, that that we took a look at as well, which is by Elizabeth Montalbano, right? And one of the things that she writes about is the fact that some of the results of this, to your point about other vectors for it or other results from it, is compromised accounts as well as um, this basically affecting people in the outside world. Yeah. If you think about how hard it is to get a hold of a solid developer inside an organization. These are not people who are necessarily on social media a lot. They're not people who are broadcasting who they are. They're working hard. They live in their own communities and do good work. But they are, I think, specifically vulnerable to that false sense of intimacy you get by working on a project with somebody. And if I were the team, you know, if I was at, if I was uh, at Lazarus, and I think on Git they call them Jade Sleet. Ooh, well done. It's very, I like this very cool name. That's yeah. quick, yeah. Git gets the points for the naming. But um, <laughs> the that if I would spend like half an hour or half a day working with somebody, yeah. right, write a little Python, make some corrections to their code, add a comment or two, you know, form that, that ephemeral relationship. And then you're in. It's over. You're already in because people don't think about attackers doing that. They're looking for a spam or they're looking for a phishing attack right? Or they're looking for somebody knocking on the back door of some vulnerable service. They're not looking for someone to add some code to a Git repo and then saying, oh, by the way, look at this. It's pretty, it's pretty great. Why don't you download this library? We'll add it into the module. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and now you find yourself with that account of a developer who is likely inside a company you want. Because they, they do talk about it targeting specific organizations. 
And so I get connected with you through some Git repo. I get you to do the thing. Now I own your account and now I'm inside name your large, you know, multinational multimedia yeah. company. Yeah. Great, great way to poison the supply chain. Fact. Um, speaking of poisoning the supply chain. Yes. Um, would you, uh, if you had to look into your crystal ball, right? Um, I like I'm seeing more and more activity from GitHub, like a lot of like new and different, um, new and different activity in 2022 and 2023. Would you see more of this type of thing happening where saying, maybe not this attack specifically, even though I would expect that to continue, but the idea of people knowingly putting malicious things into repositories, knowing that someone might blindly just kind of like pick it up and install it. I think I hadn't thought of that, but I think that's, that's very possible, right? I, I tend to think of it as a new communication venue for people. So yeah. people are communicating with other project workers in Git. So I think of it as you're not really emailing blindly the same kind yeah. of way and Git becomes a transport mechanism for data that you're sharing in the same way that Slack has for some organizations, right? They do projects which are outside the organization. I have a Slack channel that people, internal, external, doesn't make a difference to participate in, but by virtue of being involved in the group, you trust what they're sending. So I think the people have become aware that email's not trustable, yeah. right? And that LinkedIn may or may not be, that Twitter may or not be, you know, who they think they are. But platforms like Git and Slack feel more organically developed, yeah. right? And I so... Yeah, I, I think I think we will see more of this, and I like not like I am afraid you're right um, in your vector, which says I could simply pollute any number of frequently used repos. You know, maybe it's uh, regex tools, right? It's it's some repo. There's a bunch of stuff, and I don't care if I get one out of a hundred. It's one out of a hundred people downloaded, and suddenly I've got I've got some traction. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Um, what do you think it does to the security? technology industry, especially ones that play in the CI, CD space? Yeah, so for me, and my opinion is that it's always the responsibility of the last people to touch the code to make sure that they know what they're touching. And so if you're working on a secure app and you're downloading whatever the hell from some part of your ecosystem and you don't understand how to check it or you don't bother to check it, yeah, then, you know, you just suck. And that's just the way it is. You know, but let me ask you, as somebody who has built a company, we use lots and lots of tooling and build a lot of stuff ourselves. What do you, what's your expectation as the guy in the masthead for what the team is doing before they choose to use something or they choose to build something in cooperation with people we may not know very well? Yeah. Um, just a quick aside. Yeah. Your uh, one-off response for episode 176 to, like, our Twitter community yeah. was, like, spot on. Was it really? Yeah. So we should. <laughs> That's pretty fun. Yeah. Um, so I, I agree with what you said there. Um, so I, just running that forward, like one more step. Um, I think that's true. Like if you're uh, building a house or whatever it is, like it's up to you as the builder to make sure you have the right materials as you like put this together. And like at some point um, to the extent you can control it and to the extent you can see it. Yeah, you do as a professional and some of the experience, like, you see something say something like it's, it's your job um to to take the correct steps right and, and self-select the right activity um and the same is true for software development right of saying you know how to put software together you know how to build these things 
uh, you have a, a responsibility that you're going to know what code you're putting in there because it's ultimately your art. Mm -hmm. This is your creation, right? Um, so I agree 100% with all that. I think it changes um, the t like our historical technology approach to um, security of CI/CD pipeline, and I realize like we've been we've been kind of doing a version of this, mm -hmm. um, but we almost uh, there's there's almost like this inherent trust that exists with like GitHub too a little bit, okay. right? And I think it creates explicit requirements for vulnerability analysis as you're starting to pull these things in and you start to execute these in your, your software. Um, I, I think it's going to create a little disparity in this CI CD pipeline market because there's companies that just do pipeline management. Yep. I'm like, well now like that's not enough anymore. Right. Right. Like you got to be the one step further. And I would say like some of the established players who've been working on this for a while and already have those capabilities are going to be the winners at the end of this. I'm going to, extend the idea of CICD just for a second oh, yeah. to a topic that you and I have been spending a lot of time on. We spend a lot of time talking about AI, its implications, our own work in it. We already know that generative AI can build simple programs. We know that the right simple programs are not coming out of green check stack overflow. It's just learning on its own. What yeah. works. And so it produces a poisonable or simply vulnerable necessary a code base that if you don't check it's not gonna be good enough and so i think that i always try to think of cybersecurity as not threat driven like specific threat driven but practice driven right and so if we know that people like lazarus lazarus may be coming on board and trying to poison git which is a great place right we've seen instances where people get into open source packages that aren't in git and yep. they do badnesses and we know that people are using ChatGPT at least to create the frameworks and starters for some of the programs that will become part of an application. Yep. I think it screams, it screams a need for, your, for what you just described, which is a different way to think about CICD because I think we could wave a hand at it in the past. We're writing most of the code ourselves. We can do some checking. Yeah. But right now, there is so much that's going to be inherent in that life cycle of the development and the ecosystem involved in the development of any piece of software, we have to create a system that, that just assumes it's, it could be dirty in the yeah. same way. We don't inspect food because we think it's dirty. I mean, we don't inspect food because we just want to inspect all the food. We inspect food because we assume some of it's bad. Yeah, yeah. And so I think we have to do the same. So I'm with you. I think it requires us to do a new form of CICD, and part of CICD's value becomes ferreting out or at least filtering out things that are bad. And not just about productivity enhancement and you know having the most current version ready and clean. Yeah, it's it's interesting. We we should actually we could do like a whole episode on like just this. By the way, um, I I think it's I think it's brilliant. I think it's spot on. There's at some point there needs to be like an audit and control mechanism, whether that's like uh, a kind of individual act or that's a tooling system that allows you to do it. Um, maybe something that looks like an in-house handbook. Maybe like at some point, like um, it becomes like a like the trust mark yeah. sorts, right? Yeah. And uh, like similar to what we're seeing with the federal government, like proposing the the labeling solutions for yep. infrastructure. I mean, at some point, it becomes the same for for software as well. I mean, that one's uh, a little bit harder to kind of get get your arms around, but um, 
But it, you're you're right. I, I think it does get there. There is coming out of CISA, CISA. Uh, it's currently, I think, out for a call for comments, a security, a software security self-assessment checklist. And so um, McDubbs will keep us honest. I think we should do an episode on what that looks like. I haven't read it yet, right? And I probably missed the comment window, but life is short. Um, <laughs> but it's, I think it's what you're saying. I think if, if an organization like CISA advocates for uh, a self-assessment which is involved in CICD chain that says, how do I make sure that my SBOM is clean and whatever I'm, I'm factoring in here is clean, then maybe that can help us to create an expectation of a common set of, of controls that people put in place to yeah. keep some of this badness out. But I think that would make another good episode uh, just to talk a little bit about CISA and self-assessment. Yeah. How I would sell it. Yeah. Product design, showcase. More, more great ideas. I'm in it. <laughs> All right. Cool. Uh, solid. I think we've we've uh, deep six this one pretty good. Excellent. Here. So if you're in Git, make sure you t understand what you're picking up. If somebody reaches out to you from Git, make sure you do the same things you do to somebody in LinkedIn, like just because they have some code, get it done. Yeah. If you've been affected by this, you have a questionable package like this, let us know. We'd love to hear about it. Love to talk about it. Yeah. Perfect. Should wrap on that one. Um, if you listen to the show, you liked it. Please like, share, disseminate, help us spread. Spread the good word. Um, all your, all your uh, s spreading the gospel here helps helps us keep this show going, and uh, helps Jack and I continue to do do this over and over and over again. Right so, on. thanks, and we'll get you on the next episode.